Welcome to Caffeine, Crime and Canines, a podcast brought to you by two girls who love their dogs, love coffee, but most importantly, love true crime. Oh, nothing. Just nothing. chilling. Just chilling. You're working today, weren't you? Yeah, I worked this morning. It's a bit of a drain off. Yeah, last Saturday though. Oh, that's so, so good. Five days left. <laughs> you finish up this coming week. Yeah, on Friday I finish. I'm so yeah. jealous. Yeah. That it's is nice. so good. Yeah, it's good. At least you've got like a bit of time to prepare for Christmas and stuff. Like it doesn't have to be rushed. Like exactly. in those last two days. Yeah, exactly. And getting the new car next weekend as well. Are you actually? Yeah. So it's like all work. It's all worked out really well. That is perfect timing. Yeah. Sorry, I'm still walking around. I don't know if you can hear cupboards and stuff. <laughs> That's all right. Um, all right, now I'm settled. Um, how's your week been? Busy. Really? Yeah, what about yours? Yeah, same with ours actually, like just nonstop. Yeah. And I thought like, I, you know what, I didn't know what to expect like for December because I was like, oh, hopefully like everyone will just be winding down, but it's like mm. exact opposite. Yeah, it's crazy. So um, that freaking sucks. Mm. And people are like wanting jobs to start before Christmas as well. I know. Just like I have no idea why. It's not. Hey, I do have a funny story for you though. Oh, yeah. So you know how Olive stole Victor's bone on Sunday? Oh, yeah. He's highly paranoid now about <gasps> his oh. bone. <laughs> like I gave him one on, must be Tuesday or Wednesday, and Lockie, he couldn't keep his eyes off it oh. to the point where he's always a little bit like on edge about his bone, but to the point where he went to sleep and he woke up in the middle of the night to go check it was still there. And I oh, she's stop. such a meanie. <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing because oh. it must be from Sunday. Yeah, he's thinking, oh, someone's going to take it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How funny That's is that? So bloody Olive. She's such a, like, she can be such a, um, like a bully sometimes. <laughs> no, she's a good girl. <laughs> oh, so funny. Yeah. But um, do you want to get into this week's case? I do want to get into this week's case. All right, let's go. Let's do it. Police have offered a $1 million reward to unearth information about one of Sydney's most infamous cold cases. Model and escort Ravel Belmain vanished in 1994 and was never seen or heard from again. Now there's a new push to find her killer and bring closure to her long-suffering family. 26 years since Ravel Balmain was last seen, her family is desperate for answers. And I just, I felt like piece of my heart was ripped from my chest. It was terrible. Police now offering a $1 million reward for information that will lead to her remains or her killer. It is not too late to clear your conscience. It's not too late uh, to assist police and of course benefit from this reward. The 22-year-old was last seen in Kingsford in November 1994. The young escort dropped off at the home of Gavin Samer, who, despite being named a suspect at a coronial inquest, has never been charged. Police today admitting he remains in their sights. He's a person of interest um, and uh, that, that situation will be maintained. 
Authorities, though, today saying they're looking at a number of suspects, including those that may have assisted disposing of her body, which has never been found. It's hoped DNA testing methods not available at the time of the crime could provide new evidence, but the key, police say, is information from the public. It's a shame that um, we have to offer money for someone to give us information, but if that's what it takes, then that's what we have to do. Cameron Price, 7 News. So today we are talking about Ravel Belmain, um, another Australian case. I feel like we've done so many Australian cases lately, but I know, right? there's like a lot going on in the crime world over here. And I never, I told you, I've never really been into Australian true crime. No. And now I'm getting into it. You've got, gotten me into it, actually. So Ravel was 22 years old uh, at the time when she disappeared and she was living in Sydney working as a model, a dancer and an escort. So at the time of her disappearance, uh, this was like November 1994, she was a few days away from heading to Japan for like a working holiday and this was she was going to be working like as a dancer on like a cabaret tour in Japan. And apparently a lot of dancers went and did this. Like the Japanese businessmen liked Australian girls to do these cabaret tours. And no, it was like, it was really th- common. Yeah. Oh, what the heck? Right. And even, I think it's cause like to, like to the, wait a sec. I don't want to say it wrong. Is it Asians? Yeah. <laughs> Is it right? I don't know. I don't want to be, no, I'm not like, but you know, cause they're not used to like blonde hair, yeah. white skin. Like it's very like, I don't know if exotic's the word, but very yeah. different to what they're used to. And they're like, you know. Yeah. And they tipped really well and it was obsessed. good money for her. And yeah. So that's what she was going to do. Uh, so on the 5th of November, 1994, Ravel had arranged to meet her mum for lunch in Newcastle, which was where her mum lives, a few an hour or so away from Sydney, just to catch up with her before she headed off on this trip to Japan. And the plan for that was she was going to catch the train from Sydney to Newcastle, which is a two-hour train ride or something like that, and her mum would meet her right on the platform um, and they would go and have lunch or whatever. But on this day, her mum waited for her on the platform and she never arrived. Um, and I think her mum was like immediately like something's not right here yeah. Um, and reported her missing. So um, once she was kind of reported missing, obviously police and stuff started looking into her last movements for the day and it was found that on this day, on the 5th of November, she actually had an appointment to work as an escort at 4pm that day and I think one later in the evening as well. And this was obviously a surprise to her mum. Her mum didn't know she was working as an escort, so she kept that secret. How but, sad is that? I think yeah. it was only, you know what, that she had told one, like her best friend knew, yeah. but nobody else knew. And I think she never planned to do it long term and she didn't really like doing it. It was more just for a bit of extra money. Yeah, she needed the money. Yeah, just until like her modelling and dancing took off. Um, but she worked for two separate agencies at the time. Um, hey, was she also, sorry, I read somewhere that this this particular day was going to be her last day escort. Yeah, yeah, escorting because obviously she was going over to Japan and stuff. So yeah. um, that, this was it for her sort of thing, like she was finishing up. Yeah, exactly. And she had two appointments that day, one at 4 p.m. and one later in the evening. I couldn't find the exact time, but I think, you know, I think they're like two-hour appointments, so I'd assume early evening. Yeah, I think, it was, I think I saw it was like seven or something. Yeah, something like that. Um, so 
they know that she definitely turned up to the four o'clock appointment at the client's house because the agency she worked for, they were called Select Companions. They had a policy where every time one of the girls got to a client's house or wherever they were doing the appointment, they had to call the agency to let them know that they had arrived and they were safe and it was all good to go. So she made that call just before 4pm to say she'd arrived. And then a few hours later uh, at around 5.50, she made another call to the agency, which is, again, the policy that they had to let them know that she had finished her appointment and she was safe and it was all good and it was over. Um, so the booking that she had later in the evening, um, I found an article and I only read it a few times, so I'm not 100% sure if it's accurate, but it was that she had a booking with two associates of um, one of the owners of the escort agency she worked for. His name was Zoran Stanojevic. I don't know if I got that right. Um, so he owned the agency and apparently when he had like associates or friends that wanted to book girls from the agency, he did send Ravel usually because she was a, she was a model, like she was beautiful. Um, so he would typically send her to his friends and associates. I actually read that as well. So I think that's like correct that he handpicked her for his friends sort of Yeah, thing. for this appointment at 7 o'clock or whatever we think it is. Um, so I also found that occasionally escorts do what they call moonlighting where they spend extra time with a client without telling the agency because the agency obviously take a cut of what they make and if they do this moonlighting thing, then they directly get all the money. You know, can I just tell you something while we're on this money thing? Mm. I actually read something and it was literally like um, regarding this case about how much she got paid. Oh, really? To do this. And honestly, I died. I thought it was like hundreds to like get a prostitute. And yeah. It's not. It apparently, wait, I, actually, I shouldn't say prostitute, like a sex worker. <laughs> <laughs> but, but apparently this is back then, so I don't know what it is now. It was like. $250 per hour. Oh, wow. And the agency, guess how much percent they'd get? No, I'm sure they'd take a lot. 40%. Oh, my God. So you can see why people would do it. What? Do the moonlighting thing. Yeah, 100%. Like, what the heck? That's nothing. Yeah. That is so, actually not a lot of money at all. No. Especially considering the work What you're doing. doing. Exactly. Yeah. So... Yeah, obviously that that makes it that you understand why people do this moonlighting thing because it's like why give them almost half of it. But um, I think there was talk that possibly she called the agency at 5.50 to say the appointment had ended but she did decide to do this moonlighting thing with this client. And I think later on the 4 o'clock client confirmed that she did ring to say her the appointment was over but she did stay with him for an extra hour or so. Mm-hmm. So... Um, while they were looking into Ravel's disappearance, they found her belongings scattered over a few streets in the suburb of Kingsford. And this is the suburb where the four o'clock client lived and the streets that her belongings were scattered in were very close to his house. And they found things like her shoes, her keys, her passport. They found the ticket she needed to go to Japan in a few days um, I think they found her diary. Like they found heaps of stuff. And um, that's random that it's scattered around this last client's 
Yeah, like house. House. Yeah. Or like a suburb or whatever it is, streets. And I read it was over two streets as well, which is weird. It is. So this four o'clock client, the last client that saw her, he is the last person to see her alive. His name was Gavin Samir and he was obviously the biggest person of interest at the time and he was for a really long time. Um, so he had made the statement to police a few days after her disappearance saying that he did enter into this private agreement with Ravel that they would do this moonlighting thing and he would pay her directly. Um, he said that when their appointment was officially over, he dropped her off at the Red Tomato Inn in Kingsford before returning home alone that night. And this was odd because the police obviously looked at CCTV and interviewed people in that pub and they couldn't confirm whether she'd even entered the pub. So he may have dropped her off out the front, but she never went in and apparently... Uh Oh, sorry, sorry. You go. no, no, no. I was, you're probably going to say this exact thing, but you go for it. Um, so, and apparently, this pub was like a bit scummy. Like it was not, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like a nice place. And a lot of people say that if a beautiful girl like Ravel entered that pub, everyone would have remembered. Yeah, that's exactly. So you're going to say, yeah, literally on the same page. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. So it's not you, like they weren't necessarily insinuating that Gavin Samir had lied. Like he may have dropped her off, you know within that vicinity, but she didn't actually enter the pub at that time. You know what I didn't see or couldn't find is I wonder where her next meeting was. Like was that near this place? Yeah, I couldn't find any information about that. But this place was close to this, like this Gavin guy's house. Apparently it was only like a five-minute drive, this red tomato place. And it was his kind of local pub as well, which – that also struck struck me as odd because it's like, why would he drop her there? Like, if it's his local pub, like, is he just making that up? Well, you know what, though? I think there was like a – was there a bottle shop or something? I don't know if there. it was there or – yeah, and that's where he said that he dropped her there and then he went to the bottle shop, but he couldn't produce any receipts yeah, from that. Yeah, exactly. And he'd apparently been at this pub earlier in the day as well. So I don't know if it, maybe it was on his mind or – and, um, oh my gosh, wait, can I just tell you one thing? Apparently he won money <laughs> on like the pokies. That's how he could pay for it. That's what he, yeah, he won like, I think I read he went, won $150 and that's yeah. what he decided to spend his money on was an escort and like he bought like some cigarettes and booze and stuff. Mad. Um, <laughs> so he had a girlfriend at the time, this Gavin Samir, and she was away. She was away for a few days out of Sydney. Um and he obviously decided to get an escort. But the girlfriend, her name was Michelle, when she returned a few days later and he picked her up from the airport, she did notice that he had, like, scratches on his neck and fingers, um, which she thought was really weird. She also says that the night that Gavin would have seen Ravel, she was calling him multiple times and he wasn't answering his phone. She did say that this was kind of normal, like he was never someone to answer every single phone call, but he didn't answer any calls until 9.20 that night. Mm. Um, She also mentioned that he cleaned his car out and he also washed and hung out their bed sheets. And she said this was odd because he was really quite lazy. He would never do any housework or anything. Um, <laughs> Wait, can I just, can we just talk about this for one sec? Mm. Do, do you reckon though that he thought like, I've just had sex? That's what I think. Like, and he, like, even, like, he's done a horrible thing, but he's like, I don't want my girlfriend to sleep 
Yeah. In the sheets that I had sex with somebody yeah. else in. That's what I think. That's what I, that's actually crossed my mind as well. I was like, I think that's a reasonable reason to wash his sheets. Yeah. Yeah. I think so as well. I don't know if like maybe the girlfriend was saying like, he really was that lazy. He probably wouldn't have even done that. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's what she meant by that, but um. Yeah, what a way to find out that your boyfriend cheated on you. Oh, yeah. And she and the girlfriend apparently reported all this to police like yeah. pretty much straight away, like didn't hold on to the information or anything like that. Hey, but sorry, quickly, one other thing. You know with the car thing, wasn't because it wasn't his um, like the back seats down, but he's like I just I went surfing and he was a surfer. So that's he another was. reason like. Yeah. Yeah, so all his back seats are falling yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's weird. Um, So. Gavin Samir was the last person that saw Ravel, but the last known, like, contact that she made with anyone was her friend. I think this is that best friend you were talking about. Her name was Kate. And she, Ravel made a phone call to Kate at around 7.15 and said that, you know, she'll be finished in a, you know, she'll be home in an hour or so and that they should go for a drink after. Yeah. Um, so I assume when she called Kate to say, I'll be home in an hour, she maybe meant she was going to this other appointment. But do you think that because if she's going to be home in an hour, like how mm. does she have this much energy? Well, this is a big afternoon. Yeah, but I was thinking like was it an actual escort appointment or was it just like an appointment? Because like all the only thing I could find about this booking with the associates was that it was just a like it was just a a meeting. Like I don't I don't know if it was actually like a proper escort booking. And it was with you know, two people. You know the thing is that I read somewhere, I think it was because apparently that like the two owners, like a husband and wife owner that owned this agency, right? Yeah. And they were like real apparently like Ravel would be like she wasn't the um like on time and stuff like that. And they had said to her, like, these are our friends. You have to be there. Like, do you know what I mean? On time, all this stuff. right? And then when she didn't show up, they're like, oh. And they got, yeah, exactly. I think that the wife has said, like, it was sort of expected. They're just like, oh, okay. So they sent another girl. And I'm pretty sure that the husband, that Zoran guy, is the one that took this other girl. This is his alibi that took the other girl to meet his friends and he waited at the friend's house for mm. two hours. And then when he was driving, like, this other um, this other girl home, they got a flat tyre and this girl is his al- full alibi and says, like, the exact same story as him which I feel like could be sus at the same time you know yeah yeah and sorry one more thing I know I'm driving you crazy but these guys have never been found like that they, they, they keep changing like that husband and wife um owners keep changing whether they were staying at this hotel or that hotel and police were trying to look into which hotel and they could never find or track down these guys yeah that's weird isn't it sus yeah and two people as well is weird yeah mm. Um, so Kate, the Kate, the friend never heard from Ravel. So that was kind of another weird thing. So as I mentioned, um, Gavin Samir obviously was the main person of interest. And in 1999, so five years after she disappeared, they did like one of those coronial inquests and the coroner determined that Gavin Samir was the main person of interest, although the coroner couldn't determine a plausible motive for why he would be responsible. 
Mm. And the coroner determined that she has died at the hands of a person or persons unknown. And the matter was referred to like the unsolved homicide homicide unit. So I think that they didn't necessarily close the case, but um, they had determined that she had most likely passed away. Yeah. And so Gavin Samir had always denied having any involvement in her disappearance. Um but since all of this has happened, he's actually been charged with like assault and sexual assault a few times. And one of the things he's been charged with is he assaulted an elderly lady that he was a carer for. I can't even. Which is just disgusting. Like obviously he's a great human being. Yeah. Um, which I think it's worth noting because like, yeah, I just. It shows his character. It, it is worth noting because it shows what sort of person he, he is. is. Yeah. Um, And another thing that came out of the inquest was a man named Jeremy um, Coughlin said his close friend, Mark Coulton, which was a client of Ravel's, had told him that the escort had been murdered. Mm. And I'll read you what this Mark Coulton guy had apparently said to this guy, Jeremy. He said, Aren't people gullible and stupid? You've heard the story about Ravel Balmain. First, there was a story about an Arab prince who took her back to Saudi Arabia. What a load of crap. She's 10 foot under and no one will find her body. That's what you get for moonlighting and ripping off the brothel that she worked for and drugging clients and stealing all their money. Basically, the owner of the brothel wanted her dead because she was destroying his business. So that was his what he'd said. That's huge. Huge, Yeah. But then this Mark Colton guy came out later on and said, oh, that was, we were just chatting. It was nothing serious. You know, there's no truth to it. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Uh, he was a client of the of the escort agency. So I don't know if there's something weird going on there. No, but can I tell you, I feel like he would, can I, if this was real, it, like as in if this really happened and the police interview about it, I feel like what else is he going to do but lie? Exactly. Be like, yeah, I, yeah, that that actually happened. Like, he's yeah. probably a little bit scared. Yeah, I, I would agree. So, uh, like you mentioned, the owners of the agency were a husband and wife, Jane and Zoran Stanojevic. They gave statements at the inquest, and they were determined to, you know, be satisfactory, have alibis, all that stuff, and were not concluded to be significant persons of interest. How though, when their stories kept changing, when yeah. I actually looked into this, their original statements and the statements that they gave at that inquiry is complete. Like the times are completely different. Yeah. Which yeah, is dodgy. Dodgy. Yeah. So, I don't know. Also, find it weird a husband and wife right now. I know. And the wife was pregnant at the time. Oh, <laughs> freaking Gross. nuts. Hey, sorry, quickly. So, apparently, this, oh gosh, and like, this could be just like a rumor, but I'm pretty sure that this Zoran guy, his sister was like into politics in Sydney. Mm. So that shows that he's like, do you know what I mean? Got a bit of connection. Yeah. Interesting. Isn't it? What is think. the the nationality again? Um Stanojevic? Is it Croatian? Croatian, yeah. I feel I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's Croatian. Okay. Um yeah, so in that was kind of the end of the coronial inquest in 1999. Nine years later in 2008, the case was reopened and they reopened it because they said that they had found forensic evidence that added weight to the theory that Gavin Samir had murdered Ravel in his home in Kingsford. And nothing eventuated from that. Like no charges laid, 
and they didn't like they didn't release that they'd found anything like that was like a bit of a dead end mm. so in 2021 in this year i think it was like may the new south wales government offered a one million dollar reward for any information that may assist police so they're obviously in the background have been working on it have been working on it and something's obviously come up that's like okay we've got to we've got to try and get some information and when they announced this reward, they obviously received numerous tips from the public, but the one of interest was that they received an image of a man and you can see this image online. It's just like this guy sitting at like, like at a cafe or whatever, but they apparently the man in this photo would have information relating to Ravel's last movements on that day. Didn't uh-huh. say that he didn't say that he was responsible it just said that he obviously will have like, he will have information, and they were trying to figure out who this guy was. Like they didn't know his name; they'd just been given a photo of him. Um, you should look at the photo because he's like a middle aged guy. He looks like European descent. Um, that and that's all they really had to go off. Wow, I actually haven't seen this photo. Look, you have to send it to me. Yeah, so that's that's what they received, and I think they thought that that was like pretty good like they're like all right we'll go with this yeah and then that brings us to now december 2021 and this is where it's kind of come back into the news but there was a significant breakthrough in the case so while the police were trying to find this guy in the photograph the investigation took them to get search warrants for four homes in sydney and one of these homes was Zoran Stanojevic's house. And the police searched these four homes. They didn't find anything relating to Ravel's disappearance. However, they did seize like um, like cannabis cultivation setups, like hydroponic things that they do with like pot and stuff. They took um, like luxury handbags and watches and shoes that I think were being sold in the black market. Like they took all this like illegal like stuff. Stolen, that was all st- like luxury stolen stuff. Yeah. So they, wow. they, yep. they didn't find anything to do with Ravel. They're obviously, in my opinion, they're using this other illegal activity yeah, as leverage. Yeah. Um, and this Zoran Stanojevic, he was charged with 36 offences based on what they'd seized from his house. However, he has not been charged with Ravel's disappearance or murder. These were all completely unrelated. Um, But it's like those shows where they're like, find something else on them. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like you said. Exactly. And when all of this has blown up in the news in the last week, um, I didn't probably look at it in too much detail, but I just assumed that it was all linked. And then when I started looking into it, I was like, oh, they didn't actually find anything to do with Ravel, but I think. It made the news. Like if you look at, like even the, when I sent you that article, it was all like it's got Ravel's name all over it, over even it. though it, there's no actual evidence connecting Exactly, yeah. So I'd say they're using it as leverage. Mm-hmm. Um, and the four homes that they searched were, of, I think they were, um, they were like a little gang. Like a Serbian gang. Yeah. Yeah. And Zoran Stanojevic was part. I was a part of that gang. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where the case is now. Obviously, Ravel's been determined to have probably passed away. Um, obviously, the two main pe- people of interest at this point in time are Gavin Simi and Zoran Stanojevic, two separate incidences. But it seems like they're 
really honing in on um, the owner of the escort agency. It's funny because like up until, like you said, like a few weeks ago, all the podcasts, everything I read was really focused on Gavin. Mm. And even I'm pretty sure, which I like sent me over the edge. I'm like, this is freaking sus. Did you say that someone was going to testify against him? Was that that old lady? that older lady that he abused or something and her, a, like something went off in her house, like a house fire or a house bomb and she died. So <laughs> all the charges against him were dropped. He, he's apparently a bit of a like, yes. scummy guy. Like he's always drunk and like. Yeah. Um, but like really from the outside looking in, he was the last person to see her. His, her belongings were scattered all near his house. He pretty much doesn't have an alibi from the hours of you know, 6 or 7 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. But what would he have done with her body? I feel like he's a bit dumb. Mm. Like, like, I feel like he's not that switched on. And I'm sorry, but why would he have left her shit all around his, his house? Yeah. Like, that is stupid. That's something more I feel like that would be planted there, which, insert that crime syndicate. Yeah. So that's another thing. Like, the agency obviously would have access to her last known client. So... If the agency was somehow involved in her death, they would. Like, it makes sense that they've planted her stuff there and framed Gavin Samir. Hundred percent. And think about it: if they were angry that she was moonlighting, or if she was doing what that person claimed that she was drugging clients and stealing their money, mm. um, that's and motive. Exactly. And the fact that, and who even knows if these two other um, Serbian friends existed or whatnot. But let's just say she didn't show up to this meeting and in embarrassed zone. Yeah. Who's to say that he's not like, I'm going to track her down and teach her a lesson. Like she's literally finishing up with us in the next few days. You know what I mean? Like it was like her last thing to do and she didn't want to do it. Or maybe they were just like, they didn't want her to leave. Because when you're not just finishing up, maybe they just were like, no. Yeah. It's also like the whole Zoran's alibi of the other escort, I don't think has any weight to it because the escorts, I would assume, wouldn't be treated that well. Yeah, they would scared. probably, yeah, probably be scared or threatened, or especially if he's part of a um, gang. Hundred <laughs> like... percent. Or especially if you know that one of your like colleagues has gone missing and no one can find her, and then yeah. he's told you to go and lie. Exactly. Like, oh, that's freaking scary. Of course, you like, do you know what I mean? Depending on the situation, you might do that because you might think it's life or death, sort of exactly. thing. Exactly. Yeah. So, the main theories as to what happened to Ravel uh, is that Gavin Samir was responsible. Uh, another, another weird one that I read is that, like, it was like a human trafficking situation. Apparently, like, Saudi Arabian princes loved, like, blonde, blonde hair, blue eyes, like, women. Really? And a lot of people traffic these types of girls and send them to Saudi Arabia to live with these princes. Oh. And one of the theories is that that's where she is. Um, bit weird. That is. Uh, another is that it was just completely random. She may have been walking on the street and being dragged into a car or something. Um, and then the other is that she was, yeah, killed by the agency. So what do you think? What do you think? I like uh, up until recently, I would have I was I was on board with that um the Gavin guy yeah but there is I feel like as I said like earlier I I feel like that's if he got rid of her body that well 
and then he's like and then this her stuff is scattered around us i just feel like that's actually points against him you know what i mean i think if this because seeing as this happened 15 years ago is it 15 years or 25 years no gosh i think it's 25 years that makes me sick if if in 25 years he's always been the main person of interest and they've never been able to find any evidence to link him i don't think it's him yeah Unless it's just one of those those guys that you know it's when someone's so dumb <laughs> that doesn't make sense what they've done that yeah. it actually works out to be smart. Like, do you know what I mean in their benefit? Yeah. But this there's too much weird stuff going on with the agency. Yeah. That's my opinion. Yeah. I don't think if their alibis were complete, like like the same or like do you know what I mean along the same lines? I don't know. Just something just doesn't add up. Yeah. I agree. I would not be surprised if they're responsible. And my biggest thing is as well, um, going back to the timeline, if she called and told her friend, I'm going to go home and then I'm going to meet you at the pub and she was meeting her new boyfriend there also, I think she was meeting him that that same evening, she obviously was not planning on going to meet, if this even was an appointment, these other two friends of the owner. Yeah. Like she was not planning on going there. Yeah. So was there really an appointment or was there not? Like that's, I feel like that's a massive question. Another thing that I was wondering, and I don't know if this maybe was just the type of person that she was, but why did she make plans with her mum for lunch if she had to be back in Sydney by 4 o'clock? You know what I mean? No, but wasn't the appointment with her mum the the following morning at 9.30 or something? Oh, was it? Or was it on the same day? No, no, that was it. So I'm pretty sure she was – so she didn't show up the next day. So from my understanding, do you know what I mean, with the timeline, she was meant to see her friend and her boyfriend and her boyfriend couldn't get in contact with her. This was a new relationship but apparently they were like really in love, right? Yeah. And um, they – yeah, he couldn't get in contact with her and he must have been trying to track her down. And he, I think, is the first one to report her missing like Mm -hmm. that – morning or whatever and then when she didn't show up to the meeting with her mum because she was meant to catch the train to meet her mum for breakfast or whatever to say goodbye before she goes to Japan she reported her missing as well so the boyfriend Mm. and the mum on the same sort of morning or day reported her missing okay that makes sense so because I think she was very close with her family Mm -hmm. Um, And I did read, which is honestly actually killed me that, I don't know if you saw this, that she saw, she found her brother when he was young, he had drowned and she's the one that found him like in the family pool or whatever. Yeah. And they said that maybe like that's scarred her, scarred her. Yeah. Isn't that like, and these poor parents. I know they've lost both their children. I can't even. Yeah. It's very sad. It's so sad. So, but yeah, but that's the case of Ravel Belmain. Obviously, if it gets updated in the news over the next few weeks, we'll try and do an update in an episode here and there. But um, definitely, actually, as well, this episode was requested by one of our listeners, Mike. So cool. thank you, Mike, for the request. Hopefully, you liked it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> covered it good. Um, but yeah, if you have a case you want us to cover, please send us a message on Instagram. Our Instagram handle is at Caffeine Crime and Canines. Yes, and rate, review, and tell your friends. Yes, definitely. And yeah, until next week. Until next week. Bye. Bye.